Hey, good evening, folks. This is the Generation Red podcast, the kettle corn of Husker Fan podcast, where we do our best to keep things sweet, but sometimes we do get a little bit salty. I am your host, Scott, and I am having a good evening so far, and I have my other host here with me, and who might you be? Howdy, howdy, ho, everybody. It's Ken. I am a little bit under the weather today, so Scott's going to handle most of the talking duties for me. And I'll just sit here and make sure that the slides show up when they're supposed to. So <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we are going to be doing the Minnesota preview. Um, that's the main meat of the topics uh, today. But first, we would really like to express our gratitude to the No Block, No Rock podcast and everything that they did to do the uh, Nebraska Podcast Award show. I mean, they did an outstanding job um, coordinating it. The amount of participation that was involved that night was just, it was one of, it was one of a kind. I mean, mm-hmm. for the first ever award show for a podcast that's Nebraska sport related, um, absolutely killed it. And, it. and we were able to walk away with a award. Um, thanks to my dad, my dad has put so much, so much blood, sweat and tears, um, and frustrations with all of the production of this podcast and everything that, that he has aspired for it to be. Um, I feel like he's only scratched the surface. And so it's kind of cool to, to think that we won an award for, uh, a a a, a, a production quality that I think is still gonna, is gonna get better with time. So, um, We are incredibly thankful to all of our listeners and all of our viewers and everybody Mm -hmm. who voted for us in the category of best visuals. Mm -hmm. Um, We are sincerely thankful to you. So, uh, Dad, do you have anything you'd like to say about that? Yeah. um, You know, I was talking to Brian from Husker Army Podcast before the award show started, and uh, we both made the remarks that this looked like and was set up and run in such a way that um, it seemed like it was almost like it was the 10th one, like they'd been doing this for years and it was the first time. So kudos to, to all the guys, to Jared, to Kyle, to, to the Nebraska Brewing Company for having us there and emotion and adrenaline for me walking up to that stage. I had things in my head out. Oh, I was so freaking gone. It was crazy because I had, believe it or not, on my way to the golf course that morning, I had kind of rehearsed in my head kind of what I thought I wanted to say if we happened to win something. And then by the time I got up on stage, it was all gone. So, yep, yep, that's how that goes. If there was something I could have said, it would have been, obviously, thanks to No Block, No Rock. Thanks for the, to the Nebraska Brewing Company. And thanks to the f- viewers who did vote. But after talking with Brian from uh, Husker Army and a few other people there after we won, it seemed like the the uh, our peers really put us over the top for this award too, um, so that's very humbling. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know, being sober nine months has been awesome. I think it's made me not only a better father, uh, a better husband, hopefully a better man. Um, it's definitely made me a better podcaster. So that's a pretty cool thing. It kind of takes the cake, and that award that sits right there in front of me. Because it was given to us by our viewers and our peers, uh, it's kind of the frosting. So thanks, guys. We appreciate it. We'll do our best to keep improving. So that's pretty much all I've got on my mind. 
All right. Thanks, Dad. Um, yep. Yep. We look forward to next year, honestly. Uh, I think it'll be it'll be the same, if not better. And if that's the case, that is a win in my book. So, um, Ooh, can I interject something here real quick as it, re- as it relates to next year's podcast award show? I'm in talks with um, uh, Andrew from Big Red and More. They mentioned us on their show uh, that they just put out this last week. And they talk specifically about wanting to set up a charity golf tournament in association with the podcast awards. So we're working together on that. When we have anything concrete at all, we will let everybody know. We'll probably do something simple like a nine, nine hole four man best ball scramble so that uh, it'd be, it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. And I'm pretty sure we could get some former players on board. We could probably get a few celebrities around town that are pretty big and doing celebrity stuff or charity stuff like um, we get Jay Moore and Jay Moore and those guys. Uh, that would be really cool. So if any of you are watching or any of you who are watching <laughs> know any of those guys that would might be interested in doing a charity golf tournament, not sure what the charity will be yet. I'm kind of partial to Team Jack. I certainly wouldn't mind doing something for like teammates, uh, things like that. So, uh, so we're talking about all that, and anybody that wants to help us out, please reach out, and uh, we'll work together to get this thing going. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack where we are no, going. No, no, that's... I needed to throw that in there. That's really good. I love that idea. I mean, as you know, I love golf. So <clears throat> if it's if, if it has anything to do with that, then I'm all in. So, And then you just add, like, charity event and getting all the podcast shows together to to, you know, bust some balls and have a good time, maybe have a few brews or drink a lot oh, yeah. of Gatorade or all of the above. Oh, yeah. And uh, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, well, what do you say we get into this, uh, Minnesota preview? I think we've done yeah. all of our, all of our intro stuff out of the way. Um, yeah. So we're playing at Minnesota for, I mean, this is, this is the things that all of Husker nation knows, but let's get on track here. So, we're playing at mini we're playing in Minneapolis. Um, it's at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's gonna be aired on Fox Sports. Um, mm-hmm. Minnesota is currently favored, currently as of this morning. So I don't know if I've uh, if it's updated since then, but currently favored by seven. Um, the over under is at 43 and a half points. And so that just leads right into the basic question right off the bat is. Do you think, Dad, that we have the capacity right out of the gate with a new coach, with new guys that need to be plugged in, mm-hmm. uh, an offensive line that needs an identity? I mean, you can go down the list of, of things that, that need to be proven on our team across the board. Do you think that we have the capacity to maybe pull off this win? Um, obviously, we can discuss that more in uh, – Sure. In, in our score predictions, but seriously, do you think we even have a, a shot at this? Oh, of course I do. Um, I, I think I think this team has been capable of beating Minnesota. Uh, basically, every year Frost has been was here as the head coach because I don't think it's ever been a talent issue. I think PJ Fleck even said it himself after the 2021 game when we went up there. We had every opportunity in the world to pull that game out, and we couldn't get out of our own way. And he made the point, he said, this was not a talent issue for Nebraska today. It was a culture 
issue. Mm, and if there's anything, the word that many of us are tired of hearing is the C word, the culture word. But um, all the indications coming out of camp, and when you see the names of the guys that got black shirts and the fact that this staff is kind of going back to the old school way of giving out the black shirts. We're not giving out 16 black shirts just because we have 12 different defensive sets. We're giving them to the 11 guys that are running out there first who run the base defense the best. So there's some names absent that were a surprise like Nick Henrik. Yeah, um, I was surprised by that. But there's also a little bit going around that there's a bum ankle possibly involved in that situation as well. As far as answering your question, I believe we're capable to go into that stadium and beat them by two scores. The question is, will we? And that's the question we're going to try to attempt to answer tonight. Uh, but if could I just throw this first slide up there so everybody kind of yeah. has the context of what we're up against as far as, well, the coach that's on the other sideline. As annoying as the man is, he's been quite successful. Uh, he's been there since 2017. Has a 44-27 record. Basically, he wins two-thirds of his games. Uh, he's 5-1 and one against Nebraska. Has a blowout wins in both 2017 and 2019. 2019 is that infamous uh, sleeve gate <laughs> where Frost mm -hmm. got pissed because guys ran out there with shirt sleeves on. Um, and he won in Lincoln in 2020 during COVID year when he had 30 plus players that stayed in Minneapolis because they were, they were tested positive for COVID. And he came in with the, what, 56 people on his roster and fricking beat us <laughs> in our house. Uh, and then he won the big 10 West in 2019 with an 11 and one record. The man knows how to coach. So that's what Matt rule is up against and what this team who's really change, trying to change their culture, trying to change the way they view themselves as they go into a game. But yeah, to answer your question in an extremely long-winded way, because that's what I do best, yeah, I think we have the absolutely have the ability. The question is, will we? Will we get to the fourth quarter and not shoot ourselves in the foot? That is an excellent question. I really hope we get those bugaboos out because if we can at least get rid of the the shooting of the feet, um, mm -hmm. I think that we win a lot more of those games that are decided in the fourth quarter. Um, but if we want to figure out if Nebraska is going to win, let's start breaking things down. So let's first look at Minnesota's offense. Um, Fleck is running his offense uh, with a duo coordinator strategy. It's odd, but... Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll work in their favor this year. Um, I mean, they basically have kind of cleaned house with coordinators. Um, so Fleck is working with a bunch of new guys. Um, and while Minnesota's offense at this point is going to be largely unproven with the talent that they have coming back, um, it has a really, really high ceiling if they manage to get their offense to click. Mm -hmm. I Minnesota isn't necessarily known for coming out hot and fired up and ready to go at the beginning of the season. They, they tend to have slow starts. Um, so that makes me think we are probably going to get the worst version of their offense, which I think really bodes in our defense's favor. Um, can you uh, pull those stats up for, for Minnesota's offense? I think okay. that's the yeah, slide you had up, right? Here. This is uh, based on 2022. Uh and, you know, a lot of these play players that were part of this offense and part of these rankings are gone. Uh, yep. I think what they lost the entire interior offensive line. All they have left are their two tackles. Yep. Granted, they probably got three more ginormous California redwood trees behind those guys to back them up with. But uh, 
yeah, that's what they did last year. Um, it wasn't horrible. Obviously, they leaned on the run. They had Mo Ibrahim and uh, 2,698 rushing yards. I think he had, what, 2,695 of them? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and when you average 207 and a half per game, you're you're going to win a lot of football games. And and they did pretty well last year with that. So, But their passing yeah. game obviously wasn't great. Just not all that much worse than ours. We were just over twenty six hundred, and that was with Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer. But then again, we also had Purdy and and uh, and uh, Logan Smothers playing a lot last year because Casey yeah. was hurt. So uh, anyway, those are the twenty twenty two stats. No, oh, yeah, you can keep those up because I yeah. I like looking at these and thinking about well, what are the trends of Minnesota? Well. They're usually going to have one, maybe two highlighted receivers, guys that are just reliable targets that are going to be open most of the time, or you can just throw the ball at them and they'll find a way to bring it in. Mm -hmm. um, and then usually they've had like, whether that's in the slot or the or the wide out role is what I'm implying there, obviously with like one, not Wandale, Rondale. Um, and then you start to think about, their offensive line tendencies, they tend to always have stacked offensive line. So even though they're kind of having to reload on their entire offensive line, I am just not going to assume that they're going to have a bad offensive line. Um, but if they are to have uh, offensive line foes, uh, woes, they're going to have them in week one against a salty Nebraska defense that I think is going to, get off on the right foot um that minnesota is coming back with a pretty solid uh wide receivers room um because they're getting chris ottman bell back um he's coming back from a leg injury they're also going to reload with their leading receiver last season daniel jackson they're mm -hmm. going to have two transfers one from western michigan um and another from charlotte both of which have pretty substantial experience um, and they'll have a good tight end coming back with seven or six foot seven Brevin Span Ford, along with two other guys who have a healthy amount of experience as well. So mm -hmm. they're going to have targets that Ethan uh, Kaliak Manis uh, is going to be able to target. Um, and then uh, while we're at it, let's talk about their quarterback. I mean, like we said, Earlier last year when uh, Tanner Morgan went down in an injury and Kaliak Manis had to come in and relieve him, mm -hmm. I mean, he was super clutch. He was able to do things with his legs. He was able to get out of tricky situations. He was able to do his checkdowns and was able to make really clutch decisions in that game and led them to a victory. Um, and so I'm really curious to see what kind of development he got in the offseason. And if he's made some sort of chemistry with his potentially really stacked wide receiver room. Um, so though that's, that's where I'm like actually kind of concerned. I think those stats, those passing and those rushing stats, I think they're going to kind of meet somewhere in the middle because mm -hmm. looking at the running back room, they're going to probably rely on Bryce Williams. This is going to be his sixth season at Minnesota. Um, he's produced, substantially when he's been needed, but he hasn't been like the go-to guy with Trey Potts leaving. Mm -hmm. um, but then they, they went into the transfer portal and got Western Michigan uh, running back Sean Tyler. 
And he had over a 1,000 yard rushing season with about five yards per carry. Um, so I think between Williams and Tyler, they're gonna they're probably gonna be running back by committee at that point because both of them are unproven. Um, and so that actually kind of leaves their rushing offense an unknown, therefore probably predictably weaker. And mm-hmm. so I think we're gonna run into a more balanced Minnesota offense. And our defense is gonna I, honestly, I think that's 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 more ideal for them just because it, it just it balances out their efforts. And so sure. that that's kind of how I'm looking at the the Minnesota offense and the Nebraska defense. Um because I, I think I think our defense is I think they're going to have uh, a little bit of a warm-up period. Obviously, uh, first game isn't going to necessarily be beautiful on all aspect or across across the board. Um, but I think our out of out of the two position groups, I think our defense is going to look better than our offense. I would agree with that. Um, I would agree with that early in the year that the defense will definitely look better, um, and I think that is kind of a to me the matchup on Thursday is not our offense versus their defense. That's not the matchup for me that intrigues me. What intrigues me is how PJ Fleck and his co-offensive coordinators are going to attack this three, three, five defense. Are they going to stick to the run? Are they really going to try to establish the run? Cause that's generally the MO you want to use with the three, three, five because technically it's smaller, faster defense. Well, not really with, uh, Nat, God, I was only going to, I was almost going to call him nut smasher. Um, Nash Hutmacher. There you go. He landed it. Ty Robinson aren't small human beings. They both weigh around three bills. And then you've got, surprisingly, Blaze Gunnarsson uh, as a defensive end. And then you've got a pretty good sized kid in, in Chief Borders playing that jack spot. So I'm not sure how successful they're going to be running the football against that kind of beef in the middle. Uh, but it's really going to fall on Reimer and company to make the tackles if they do break contained through the line of scrimmage. So to me, that's the matchup I'm watching. And if I'm going to pick a dude on the black shirts that I'm really going to be paying attention to, it will be Blaze Gunnarsson. He's been yeah. languishing on the depth chart since he's been here. And he made a jump when this new defensive coordinator came in and they taught a whole new system. Boom, all of a sudden he's a black shirt. That tells me, like I said when we did our Husker Cuzcast, these defensive coaches are good teachers and they're finding and identifying guys that are going to fit where they need to fit in their system. And they're getting them coached up and ready to go. Cause blaze. I don't know if he was ever going to start if he was a, still in a shenander defense. So uh, I'll be watching him for sure. So uh, that's kind of what I think defense versus offense uh, black shirts tomorrow will be key in getting the victory. And damn it. Let's not let them have the, time of possession over 30 minutes, you know, 32 minutes or more because the defense gets worn down. If our offense can just possess the ball a little bit and get close enough to the red zone that, you know, we can score, score the football, whether it's touchdown or not, just, just get points on the board. Don't dilly dally it around. When you get close, you hit fourth down to hell with going with it. Just put the ball through the pipes as uh, uncle Ed likes to say <laughs> true to pipes, put it true to pipes. <laughs> no, I I completely agree. I think that is the key to us winning the game on Thursday is going to be does our defense produce at a high level that is 
that exceeds anything that Minnesota can do offensively. If that's the case, I think that's us winning a football game with obviously the assumed fundamental functionality of special teams and no bugaboos there and that we can make field goals when necessary. Um, I think if we can do those things all simultaneously, I don't see any reason why we don't win. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's asking a lot. Um, But I, we also now need to consider do you have anything else you want to add to the uh, Minnesota offense or Nebraska defense? Well, it, it, like I said, I think that the dual coordinators could be a recipe for disaster or it could be a recipe for success. I mean, you know, their their offensive coordinator that made them so good back in 2019 is gone. He's at Rutgers. Go figure. Um, so we'll see. I, I think really it's a wait-and-see mode on the offense, and it's definitely a wait-and-see mode on our offense, to be honest with you. So, um, But, yeah, that's about all I've really got. We could probably move on to taking a look at their offense if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can take a look at Nebraska's offense and then think about Minnesota's defense. <laughs> Um, cause kind of like how you said, one of the most interesting aspects of our defense is being that, gl- uh, blaze Gunnarsson is going to be on one of them end rolls, mm-hmm. um, on the offensive side, another, another area that is really intriguing is this Alex bullet kid, the mm-hmm. walk on who is a projected starter. Um, mm-hmm. and he's just a sophomore too. So what kind of talent do you think we're going to have in this Alex Bullock? Is he going to, and if, and if we, if he were to be successful at his, let's see, let's look at his frame. We've got six foot two, two Oh five. That is like textbook wide receiver. Yep. Um, what do you think he could look like? What, what would his, what is, what would his comparable comparison be walk on wise? Oh, good question. I've really not seen him play uh, that I recall. My guess is he's going to be, you remember how good Jordan Westerkamp was at getting open at that number yes. two wide, wide out spot uh, where you needed, you needed eight, nine yards on second down or third down. Westy usually was the first read. He was just always open because he ran such good routes. Well, on his way out the door, Casey Thompson told Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield, hey, you really want to push Alex because he's the best route runner out of all of these receivers. Um, Now, had Marcus Washington been healthy all fall camp, would he be in that number one slot at that particular receiver position? We don't know that. What we do know is Alex took the bull by the horns, and he's uh, earned a scholarship. So he and his brother both got scholarships now, and uh, he's Look, uh, by all indications, he's starting on Thursday. And I think if there's a safety blanket not named Billy Kemp out there on the field, it's probably Alex Bullock. He's probably always going to run a good route and most likely end up getting open. So uh, if that line can give Jeff Sims any kind of time, and if he can get himself out of trouble, which he is able to do far better than Casey could, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Alex starts the whole year. Maybe Marcus gets healthy and he kind of takes over that spot. But uh, I see him contributing fifty to sixty yards on Saturday. I'd say that's a, a reasonable expectation if we're moving the ball at all. 
Yeah. So. And, and if we're in those third and long situations where you have to do one of those slant routes or crossing routes mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think it, the other thing that might indicate his success in the first game is the Minnesota's cornerback core. Um, this group basically mm -hmm. lost its two best starters. Um, with a uh, weak point on their defense last year, they weren't as good. Well, they yep. were a little better against. They were pretty balanced defense, so yep. that may be the the weakness. Um, that was my bad. I thought they were worse in the passing category last year than they were. So, anyway, no, yeah, they they had they had two really good cornerbacks in mm -hmm. Beanie Bishop and Ryan Stapp. Um, it leaves their room somewhat unproven. Um, they did get a few transfers to fill the void, but mm -hmm. all of them come from smaller programs. So they are truly an unproven, uh, that half of the secondary, their cornerback room is truly unproven. And so I think we might see a little bit more out of our passing game success wise. It doesn't mean that they're going to rely on their passing game. I think that they're just going to have success when they need it, but not rely on it. Um, if they don't have to, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then you look at the safeties. Once again, this group lost three of its largest producers on Minnesota's uh, mm -hmm. safety group. They do return Tyler Newbin. He played for over 550 snaps and had four interceptions, three pass breakups, and 55 tackles. And aside from him, the, that room is also a giant question mark. So we could potentially burn them in their secondary, mm -hmm. which... Once I kind of found that out, it kind of actually changed my perspective on the game just a little bit. Um, not that it's going to happen, but there's a potential for it to happen. And it's like a likely potential if you were to say that this would be a down year for Minnesota, which I don't know if I could say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then when you're when you're looking at their their rushing yards and their defensive rushing yards and defensive passing yards. I mean, a lot of that came from their experience, all their sixth year seniors that they had on their defense sure. that they lost last year or that they lost going into this year because mm -hmm. their defensive line, it was, it was a good defensive line last year, but it was kind of from what I could find on the internet from perspectives from a gopher fans is that, it was an underwhelming defensive line last year, um, just based on expectations of what they had in the year before that. They kind of expected it to be better. Um, but yeah, it doesn't mean they won't be good. They just won't be 2021 good and maybe not even 2022 good. Um, they lost some guys that had a ton of experience, but the guys who are filling in for them had plenty of playing time experience. Um, throughout the 2022 season, but I wouldn't expect them to take anything larger than a small step back. Um, so I think that's probably what we're going to get. We're going to get at least the same defensive productivity from Minnesota that we saw last year. If not that, a little bit worse. And the only reason why I say that, yes, their secondary is, is kind of thin for, uh, for reliable experience, but if what we're trying to do is run the ball and their defensive line is most likely just going to be just as good as it was last year <clears throat> and their linebacker room, looking at their linebacker room, well, well let's just go through that really quick. Um, they lost two of their best starters on in their linebacker core, which was Mariano Sori Marin. I don't know how to 
pronounce that. And Braylon yeah, Oliver. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Marin. Um, but they will get their second leading tackler back with uh, uh, Cody Lindenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get another Western Michigan transfer. They've they've got they've actually picked up a lot of guys from Western Michigan. Um, it's where Fleck used to coach. <laughs> oh, duh, that makes sense. Um, so they're going to get another Western Michigan transfer in Ryan Selig, uh, mm-hmm. Selig, um, who played almost 750 snaps last year. So they're going to get some experience back in their in their linebacker core, but it's definitely better than their than their secondary. But it's not necessarily something that you can you can look at and have confidence that it'll be good. So their defense is a potential to be bad, but knowing Fleck and his ability to coach good defenses, even though he's got, I think he's got a new defensive coordinator this year. Does he not? No, I think it's Joe Rossi. I think it's the same one he had last year. So he's just replacing seven guys who are not start seven starters from last year. Yes, And I think you broke it down excellently in the fact that those guys were key, uh, played key roles because they were so experienced, just like that 2021 defense for Nebraska, right? Those yep. guys knew how to play the, to the uh, how, how did I put it, uh, the trigonometry version defense that Shenander was running. It wasn't yes. very simple, very difficult. But those guys had run it for so long, they got really good at it in 2021. It was just the problem was we couldn't get out of our own way to win football games. So. Um, they worked really hard to be the greatest three and nine team of all time. My God, and they accomplished it too. They did it with. Um, a I mean, I'll hang my hat on that till the day I die that they were as good a three and nine team as has ever played college football. <laughs> you can look at it from every angle, and that's really the only thing you can come to the conclusion of. Yeah, yeah, it was just so. Uh, but yeah, I mean. When you lose the safeties you lost, when you lose the linebackers and the guys on the line and some really good corners, I don't know. Maybe there's an interesting game plan that uh and, but then again, what's what's Satterfield gonna game plan for? He doesn't know any of the tendencies of the players that are gonna be starting because mm-hmm. we haven't seen them. They're not on film really. So no. I'm I'm guessing the scripted first drive is gonna be very, very conservative. Just see what they can get with the running game up the middle see what they can get with the quick passing game uh, or maybe even tight ends or whatever. I've been hearing that there's been some offensive linemen that have been practicing at tight end as well for some big sets yeah. and that perhaps there may be an option or two. So, hmm. um, but they're not going to know what to expect from us because our offense is completely different than it was last year. You're going to see some spread out elements, Uh you can't not have some spread elements in your offense these days. But, you know, maybe they're preparing for Wisconsin 2.0. I don't know. Maybe we're going to try to be that. I don't know. But I do know that everything's different for both teams. So that's why this game is really a giant question mark almost from top to bottom of both rosters. Um, but we know we're going to kick off at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. That way, That much we do know. And I can't freaking wait. <laughs> it's been so long. If you were to if you were to take a bet, somebody asked you to put fifty bucks down on the bet of which running back room do you think is more successful, Nebraska's or Minnesota's? Ooh. Which, which one which one are you putting money on? Oh, that is such a good question. 
uh, because you have to factor in the fact that it seems and like it's all you, just stats, stat wise. Stats, yeah, you can, but I, I, I'm kind of one of those guys. I look at things from a philosophical standpoint in the sense that PJ Fleck has been known to develop good offensive linemen, and it seems like they did kind of what Nebraska did back in the day when they were really good. Next man up when another dude graduates, next guy's up. Chances are he's had some playing experience, so it's not going to be too much for him. If I would in this game, is that what you mean? Who's going to be more successful yeah. in this game? I think it's going to be pretty doggone even, and I would probably give the edge to Nebraska's offensive line because of experience, but I would probably give the edge to the running back room for Minnesota simply because they've always had a guy that could come in and produce every bit as well as the starter. Remember that year when mm-hmm. they had like 12 running backs have to run that year, and it seemed like every damn one of them put out 100 yards in every game? So... Um, yeah, I'll, I'd, I'd give the edge to Minnesota because they have the track record. Nebraska is going to try to ex- establish a new track record of focusing on the run game. So I'll, I'll give the edge to Minnesota there. Yeah, I think, I think you speak some sense there. That's probably where I'd put my money. Um, cause I think, I think you have a potentially high ceiling with like a Gabe Irvin and, the trust and confidence that they have now just put into Ramir Johnson says a lot about what Ramir Johnson can bring to this offense. And then if Anthony Grant can figure out how to keep his hands on the ball, uh, he's also a very, very reliable he's a weapon. Home run threat to yeah. grab a, a run between the tackles or on an inside zone play when the defense is worn down. And you, you know? literally have, and you literally have three different type of body types. You've got, <laughs> You've got your big back in, in Gabe Irvin. You've got your standard size back in uh, in in in, in, in Anthony Grant, Grant. Um, and then you've got your small all-purpose back type. Step back, yep. Your yeah. quick, quick hit the hole and go in Ramir Johnson, and he's not afraid to stick his nose in there either. That's what I love about him. So yeah. But I would, yeah, I would still put my money on the reliability of what PJ Fleck has been able to put out in his running game consistently year in, year out. I mean, you're probably, I, I bet you when it's all said and done, our rushing stats are going to be almost even when the game mm-hmm. is over. I think it's probably going to be both teams getting over 200 rushing yards. And I think it's going to be like 220 and 225. Sure. Two thirty for yeah. the for the winner of that of that competition. But I I you know what I'd put my money down on that. I'd put my money down on an over under of a combined rushing total of four hundred and fifty two yards. I'd bet the over because I think we're going to get there with both those teams because they're going to want to chew clock. And they uh, both want to know if they can run the dang ball. I got a question. I think, okay, I've got a question for you. In the light of that, which running back room do you think will be more productive tomorrow? Let me spin it this way. Which running back room right now would you say is more talented, Nebraska's or Minnesota's? Oh, I'd say Nebraska's. <laughs> I think I think Nebraska has a way higher ceiling in the running back room because I think Gabe Irvin is just a the freak key, the talent. Key is up, up front, the key is up front. Ramir Johnson has got yep. he's got he's got experience, and then you can't you can't count out Emmett Johnson. Emmett Johnson's mm-hmm. gonna is gonna be a, a dog here soon. I mean, they had nothing mm-hmm. but high praises to give to that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we have a really talented room. 
And I think with what PJ Fleck has brought with him and his staff, I think that I think that we might we might see more success out of our running game in the long run versus what PJ Fleck has set as a standard for his for his guys. Uh, So I know that's like that's actually kind of a hot take. Um, I'll I'll admit that, but a little bit, but. Putting yourself out there, not Get, getting that. getting way into the way into the future. Um, <laughs> yep. But if if that is there anything else you want to add to either the Minnesota defense or the Nebraska offense? Otherwise, we can move over to special teams. Uh, no, I I think I'm pretty much I'm pretty much said everything I need to say. I'm just hoping that if we win the toss, I hope Rule elects to go on defense first. Oh, I hope so. That would be awesome. See That's what that three five looks like right out of the gate. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, we can move on to special teams. I don't have any slides for special teams. I did not make any up. I just kind of have a general information slide about Minnesota that's up next, but we've basically covered all of that information already. So we won't even really need to put that up. We can just go right on into special teams and wrap this puppy up with some predictions. <clears throat> all right. Sounds good. So special teams – as you guys have kind of noticed, you kind of know the drill. If we're going to talk about special teams, we're talking about both teams at the same time. But since they're not opposing sides, they're just both their special teams. Yay. Class is over. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't really find very much about Minnesota special teams. I'm sure they've mm-hmm. got a good place kicker. But the only thing I could find out about them that they are – excited about for as excited as you can get about special teams players um is that they have a dope kickoff specialist named uh dragon uh chris um mm-hmm. yeah and he's ranked third he was ranked third in the nation in 2022 for a touchback success rate of 83.1 percent and last year against us he kicked off five times and all five were touchbacks. So we might not even need to rely on this whole new philosophy of taking kicks back on our special teams when they're just going to be sailing out the back of an end zone. So um, we got the Johnson twins back there. Hopefully he leaves one short for one of those two guys. See what happens. That'd be sick. Um, And then looking at our side, I mean, Tristan Ovano was just named as Nebraska's place kicker over Timmy Bleak Road, which I think is huge. Um, that it's is huge in the sense that that's not that is not rules blueprint. He does no. not like to start a freshman kicker. He just no. basically never done it before, so this is completely new it's for him. Unprecedented. <clears throat> Big freaking deal. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. Um, and then I guess my only question out of this well i mean i guess we could ask the same question with tristan ovano but how big of a role will brian buscini play throughout the entirety of the season is he gonna is he gonna are we gonna be able to look back at some games and be like if it wasn't for his punting placement getting Mm -hmm. them down to the three getting them down to the five getting them down to the eight you know putting them in putting our opponents in really bad field position that results in a punt back mm-hmm. to our side. I think we could almost always attribute that to a really damn good punter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my thought process. Do you share that sentiment? Uh, I absolutely. I absolutely do. And I think Brian Buscini played a big role last year. There was quite a few times 
when he had the opportunity to pin somebody inside the 20, he generally did. And the, the statistics show that if a team starts inside their own 20-yard line, they are, I think if I last looked, 35% less likely to actually put points on the board. So when we play the field position game, we have a punter that can put the ball where he needs to put it to give us the best chance to get the ball back without having points scored against. Uh, he's a big reason why I think on our over-under game that our defense is not going to have a 90 per, 90% success rate in the red zone against it this year because I don't think a lot of teams are going to have as many opportunities to get to the red zone because Buschini's going to He's going to boom a few because that dude's got a cannon. So, yes, he will be a big reason why our team is successful. I believe Tristan Alvano will be relied upon in some key moments to make some big kicks. And apparently sometime since they released the depth chart when it was an Alvano or Bleak Road listed and nobody was listed as a starter somewhere between the release of that depth chart and today or yesterday when the when the starters were announced or when he was announced, Alvano made a move. And he gave uh, gave rule the confidence to start him. So um, credit Ed Foley must be a good coach to uh, calm some nerves in a young man. I remember last time Nebraska had a true freshman start that people were kind of surprised. His name was Josh Brown or Chris Brown, and he was one of the best kickers in, in Husker history until Alex uh, uh, Colorado guy. Alex Henry. <laughs> Alex Henry came along. Yeah, that guy. Colorado guy. <laughs> Colorado guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what? I think one of the things I love about this new staff, not only the fact that we've got nothing but adults in the room, not only the fact that Rule seems to have a plan for everything and he has a freaking backup to his backup. I mean, Bob Wager gets fired. Boom, he's got a guy ready to go with Power 5 experience to coach tight ends who would have been the next man up had Wager got another opportunity elsewhere because Rule's always planning ahead. Um, and I think the fact that he does that means he really wants to focus on special teams. And I think special teams is not going to kill us this year like it has in years past. It's probably going to help us win as opposed to every time the ball is punted, oh, crap, will Trey actually catch it? Or will we get a safety? Or will we, <laughs> you know, good Lord, just give me Santino Panico back there for, for a year that just is going to fair catch the ball. We're not going to lose the ball. We're not going to make stupid decisions. Um, so, yeah. No, I think, I think you made really, really, really good points. Um, one of them being that, yes, I agree. I think that Brian Buschini plays a huge role in our overall special teams performance. Um, I think one of the main things that I am going to always take a grain of salt with now and think about it game in game out from here on out is how much I'm going to appreciate the small details of special teams from here on out. Um, mm -hmm. Because for the entirety of my experience, as a Husker fan, I, you know, we, we, we had good special teams, like as long as I can remember, it was always, we always had a good punter. We always had a dude who had a cannon of a leg to get, get good field goals and was accurate or whatever. And so it's, it's just one of those small things that like, when you don't have it, it's like, Oh boy, that's a real thorn in my side. 
And so I'm really excited to see what kind of what kind of special teams culture we can see changed with this uh, this new rule staff. Um, so that's that's kind of my final thought on all of that. Um, I'm really excited. I'm I would I'm just I want to just see. This is the last thing I'll say. I just want to see us take a kick return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown in one season. Like that would just be, that'd be so cool. I would love to see that again. Cause there's nothing more exciting than it. It's mm-hmm. so it stinks for your defense. Cause then they have to go, you know, you know, or I guess, no, it doesn't, it doesn't stink for them at all. But um, anyway, the last any time we had a punt return for a touchdown was 2019. I think J.D. Spielman took one back against like South Alabama in 2019, and I think our last kickoff return for a touchdown was 2017. J.D. Spielman as well against uh, whew, Fresno, somebody like that. I don't remember. But uh, so yeah, we're we're due, we're due. We've got some electric athletes back there uh, manning both those posts. So, um, I just uh, posted this in our chat, and I just wanted to throw it up there on the screen for you that you have now been officially appointed as the preview show host from now on for any of our previews of uh, opponents, because you have a knack for it. You're good at digging deep and finding the things that uh, I generally don't take the time to look for and being a podcaster, I should, but you have a passion for it and you're outstanding at asking probing questions and keeping a conversation going. So kudos to you. You have now um, been promoted. Uh, and your salary will stay the same. <laughs> okay. Two times the amount that you make now is still zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can't do much with zeros. <laughs> Although they are nice at the end of ev- every of number of a paycheck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's always nice. Uncle Sam likes it too. Yep. But, um, Especially when preceded well, by a comma. Let's Let's see here. So we have talked about offenses and defenses and special teams oh my mm-hmm. and i think that we should just predict a score then um because you can look at everything that we've put into play here there's a potential there's a potential for nebraska's defense to be really good and for minnesota's offense to be less than desirable and then on the flip side there is a chance of Minnesota's defense being also not that good and Nebraska's offense being really good um, with all of the talent that they've got potentially there, even though it's not that deep. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've got a lot of trust and confidence in our special teams. So that's three areas of football that we have we have never had the pleasure of saying we played all three phases of football correctly um i can't remember the last time i've ever i've ever uttered that um (laughs) yeah and so Mm. we have the potential for that and minnesota has an equal potential to not be that not be that good um but Mm -hmm. on the flip side you could say the exact same thing in the other direction um and i think the only reason why vegas is favoring Minnesota over Nebraska is simply because Fleck and his experience and the trust that we as Big Ten fans and especially 
those guys who get paid money to put all this together into some algorithm and decide which mm -hmm. team you should bet on. I think that they know these, these little details about Minnesota and that the, that they're going to come back and they're going to be a good team this year. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Vegas. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow exactly the line of Vegas, but I still think that Minnesota falls short. Um, I think that Minnesota falls short in, or sorry, I think that Nebraska falls short. I think we fall short of Minnesota. And I think that Minnesota wins 24 to 20. So that means that we go just slightly over the over under and Nebraska, Nebraska, what is it? Nebraska would cover the spread. Is that how that works? Because they Yeah, they, they would cover the spread. The yeah. spread is seven and seven. So yeah, they would cover the spread. Um, so better than what Vegas is expecting, but I don't think that we make the jump quite yet to win a game. Um as you can see, if, if Nebraska scoring 20 points, that means that Tristan Elvano nailed two field goals and we made our extra points. Can't forget that. Mm -hmm. Um and so that tells me that we're going to be in, we're going to be in a fight. I think that it's going to be a fight and it's going to be down to the last moment. It's going to be that, it's going to be that fourth quarter test that Matt rule has been all, all talking about. So um, that's my prediction. 24 to 20 Minnesota takes the win. Nebraska goes zero and one to start the season. What do you think, dad? I have gone back and forth on this. Uh, I've been thinking about it all day. And I think this is going to be a rock fight, as Chris Schmidt so eloquently likes to put it on Hale Varsity Radio. Yes. Uh, a slobber knocker. These guys are going to be beating on each other. The lines of scrimmage will be busy. And I think both lines of scrimmage on both teams will both struggle. Uh, but they'll do just enough to just kind of go back and forth a little bit between the 20s. But not a lot of scoring is going to happen until later in the game when both defenses get a little tired. I think we're probably going to go into the fourth quarter. It'll be, say, 17 to 10 uh, or 17, 17, somewhere in there, 17, 14, maybe. Um, Nebraska's down. And then it happens. Uh, their defense makes a mistake in, in a key moment when they let Jeff Sims get free. He gets down inside the 20, and Nebraska just removes their will by running it four straight times with Gabe Irvin, the hammer. And uh, we score a late touchdown, and the defense bows up in the last three minutes and stops them. I've got Nebraska winning 21-17. So we don't hit the over-under, and Nebraska doesn't just cover. They went outright. So if it, I, <laughs> don't quote me on it, folks, but that's what I think. I think Nebraska wins it. So, uh -huh. hey, Michael says you need to start drinking the Kool-Aid, Scott. I will if we start winning games. That's that's my that's my deal. Exactly. You know, we've said this before on this show um, numerous times, and it's why we call it Generation Red because we both are not just two different generations, but we're two different. We saw two different generations of Husker football, in a sense that I view everything through the lens of the '90s, through the lens of the greatness that Nebraska was, and the fact that they were different about how they were great. And I always think we can get back there. So I'm always going to be the optimist first. Scott, you obviously view things through the lens of the Callahan years, the years in which Nebraska football was reshaped, 
was changed, was was given no identity when it used to have the Nebraska identity. So it's understandable why you would wait ahead of time. Me, I truly think that uh, if anybody understands what Nebraska needs to do to start winning in the Big Ten, it's Matt Rule. And he understands that, yeah, we might be nice to have a receiver that can take the top off a of defense like a Trey Palmer, but you don't need it to win, not in November. You need to be able to control the line of scrimmage and poke the ball in the end zone with a running back or two. So um, that's why I predict 21-17. I think we do that. I think we win the line of scrimmage in the fourth quarter. So I really hope so. Or I'm going over to my parents' house on Thursday night to eat some good food and watch good hopefully food. a good game. And so I, I'm really hoping my dad's prediction is correct because I would really love to leave uh, leave their house that night with like a victory mm-hmm. under our belt against a Big Ten foe that we haven't beaten since mm-hmm. 2018. So That'd be um, cool. that would be really, really nice. But that begs the question, though, that I think that all Husker fans <laughs> dread. I noticed your question. I haven't seen it yet. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, it's so this is a, a reality that Nebraska has had to face in recent years. Um, and that reality is getting blown out. Um, how do we feel as Husker fans if Nebraska gets blown out? Something like 35 10. Maybe Ooh. it's maybe it's 31 3. Maybe it's 31 6. Maybe it's 31 9. We get three field goals and we don't see the end zone once. Tristan Alvano has a great game, but it's in the worst way possible. Um, So, what, how do you feel about Matt Rule? How do you feel about the culture? How do you feel about everything pertaining to Nebraska if we get blown out in game one? That is a mighty good question. And uh, I will answer that question when that happens, just like you will believe and start drinking the Kool-Aid if we actually win a game like this. I will uh, address the issue of a blowout if it happens. At this point, it's not going to happen in my mind. So, um, But would I question the culture? Maybe not. Uh, would I question the offensive game plan probably because that's the one thing that might get you blown out. If you just have a really lousy game plan and then you allow the defense to get some, get some momentum on you. Or if you're turning the ball over every 30 seconds, you know, if that's happening, then, you know, yeah, I'd be worried a little bit about the culture, but it's not, it's not a blowout yet. So I'll my comments and my thoughts on what, this team actually is only if that happens and chances are it will at least once this year, you know, like yeah, Memorial stadium game five. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, my, that's it. I had some time to think about that on that question. Cause I was the one who came up with it. Um, <laughs> and my thought from the get go was actually kind of relieving because my first thought was honestly, it's okay. It's fine. Like, hmm. It's, it's, these guys are going to go through growing pains. Um, they're in a whole new system, whole new culture, Mm. whole whole new set of standards. Um, and so I'm not going to hold it against them if game one looks really bad. Um, I think it could bow in their favor, if that makes sense. I think that it would be a humbling and, 
maybe a somewhat stoic enlightenment, you know, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. something you wouldn't want to necessarily <clears throat> pursue. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would have peace, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't immediately be on the fire Matt rule band, you know, bandwagon that I think there is probably already a bunch of red mm -hmm. or, uh, like, uh, Twitter trolls that are getting ready to maybe potentially do that, but they can't be, no. they can't wait to, to be right about the fact that Nebraska hired the wrong coach. There's too mm -hmm. many of those fans up there. Yep. So, um, but yeah, yep. I, I get, I completely understand what you're putting down there, son. So very well, that's good with me. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're probably more in the in our score idea there. I don't think we get blown out. Um, I think that we have a good game on Thursday. I'm really excited. It's it's kind of it's kind of it's almost actually kind of nice that we have our game on Thursday. I know this is going to be counter to culture. This is just the last thing I'll say. Thursday night games are fun to start the season off only. And the reason why I say that is because you get Thursday night game. Mm -hmm. Let's say you lose. You still have like two days to like process the loss before you can enjoy watching other people play football on Saturday. Right. And if you right. win, then you get a win-win because you can still enjoy your football on Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um so I think that to just in the one specific circumstance of if you are starting your season with a Thursday night game, that is like <clears throat> the best thing possible. And you can also add that they get an extra two days before they play their next opponent. So, um, yeah, that's just my random, random uh, thought that I had. So there we go. There we go. All right. Any, anything else? I think I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. I'm good. Right. So that does it for the uh, show. You can follow us on Twitter. Where can where can folks find us on Twitter? You can find me and the show at GenRedPod on Twitter, Facebook, and the YouTube channel. Do us a favor while you're watching this very last part of the show. If you haven't yet, go down, click that like button. It helps push this video out to other Husker fans, and we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us at Generation Red on your favorite podcast app. If you are an Apple iOS user and you have not refreshed the feed yet, which unfortunately you will have to do, do us a big favor. Just unsubscribe from the podcast you're subscribed to now. Search again for Generation Red. You'll see a new icon come up for our show. It'll have both Scott and I on the artwork. So when you find that, you'll know you'll have the right show. Resubscribe, and you'll be able to get all the new content. So uh genredpod.com is our website and we might be getting listed with another husker website here sometime in the future which is kind of cool and of course herdatsports.com you can find our show there as well because we are a part of the herd at sports network which we're very proud of and we really appreciate those guys and all the work they do to uh get our podcast out there so uh genredpod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email That's there you go. nailed it um, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Genred Pod. That is Scott with two T's. The second T is and will always remain silent. Um, you can follow me there. I am getting a little bit more active. So yes, you are. I am. I'm doing my best. Um, You're liking yeah. stuff now. 
<laughs> give me a follow over there and uh, be per, you know, strap yourself in for all the shenanigans of the season that are to come. So that's right. That's where you can follow us. Um, that does it for us. Uh, well, you have your spiel. I don't know what your spiel is. What, what's your, what do you, what's the thing you do? You say like a series of words. I say like, uh, he's Scott. I'm Ken together. We're generation red. And we're here to remind you every single day to go up to Minnesota and take back our respect because there's no place like Nebraska. Mm, I like that. Okay. Yep. It's that's still your job. Um, <laughs> Iowa's corn sucks a jar of blackhead collections. Ooh. God. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. As if I didn't feel bad enough already. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We will see you next time folks, which will be Sunday, 7 30 PM where we will do a recap of the Minnesota game. We'll also preview the game in Boulder, Colorado, and we will be joined by a special guest, Dave from Husk Guys. So at this point, he's committed, so it should be a lot of fun. Anyway, can't get more Kool-Aid than Dave. I mean, if there was a Kool-Aid award that the Husk Guys should have sponsored, it was the one at the awards show that Redcast Rob is proud to have won. So again, thanks to NBNR Podcast and uh, the Nebraska Brewing Company for putting on a hell of an award show and for the Alamo Draft House for sponsoring the award that we got, the Best Visuals Award. And we will see you guys on Sunday. Go Big Red. Happy we win. Sink the ship. <laughs> <laughs>